Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How does God renew our minds? John chapter 8, go down to verse 31. This is how our minds are renewed. This is how our mind thinks differently, not like the world. Every time we watch television, every time we read a newspaper, every time you go to a movie, that world system is transforming you how to think. That's the whole world of advertising. You need this, you need it now. And everything we see from the world, most of it is against the Word of God. It's easy to forget that as a Christ follower, you're in a battle, a war. Every day, every minute, there's an organized effort to get you to reduce your devotion to Jesus. The world you live in hates God, hates everything about God. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the need for you to stay aware of this and to strengthen your resistance to the world's efforts to influence you. He'll tell you how you could start to become a more devoted Christ follower beginning to influence those around you and showing people that there's a viable lifestyle option to how they're currently living. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 15 as he begins his message, Sticky Word Equals Spiritual Fruit. You can turn to John chapter 8. So again, welcome. We'll be in the Bible for the next hour going through the Word of God. And you'll learn a lot from God's Holy Spirit who's really our teacher. Now, in this time and age of our world, I want to ask you a question. I already know the answer, but you need to see it. How many of you have a Bible of your own? Let me see your hands. Okay, good, good. I won't ask you because tons of us have more than one Bible. Um, But lots of times we forget how powerful uh, the Word of God is and how accessible it is to us. As you know, thanks for your prayers. I just got back from two cities in China. Shanghai flew in, and I had a meeting I had to stop to at Houston on the way of some of the top mission agencies in the entire world, and they talked about the Bible and translations and all kinds of things that I'll, I'll share some truth with you. But one of the guys was there with a story. And when he began to tell it, man, it brought a memory back. Back about, well, more than 20 years ago, Linda and I were celebrating our 25th anniversary, and we were over in Asia, just on a vacation. And we stopped by Hong Kong, and we actually smuggled Bibles into China. That's uh, 20-some years ago. Don't need to do it anymore. They have Bibles. But as we smuggled Bibles into China, we had them in our backpacks, and we took the train into China, and we were told just to go through their security line there, and usually they won't stop you. So as we got off the train and we had all these things in a suitcase of stuff, we watched the people in front and they were opening all of these people's bags. And my wife and I go, well, we might be in China longer than we thought. 
<laughs> we'll just see what happens. And we were getting close to the end, and over here was the scanner that you can put your luggage on, and you know from the airport, it goes through and they look at it and whatever they can see inside. And I said to my wife, there's nobody at the scanner. The scanner was working, but there was nobody looking. So we just pushed our bags there and took them and walked right out of the cliff. Hallelujah. God protected us. That's why I'm here today. I mean, really. Well, the story was, this missionary said a number of years ago, we took this huge team in the China and we smuggled Bibles. That's what caught my attention. And he, he doesn't know the story, and I didn't know his. And he says, when we got there, all of the people had gone through this line, and they never opened up one bag. All of them went through the line. And he went, man, this is going to be a miracle to get the Bibles in. And they had two more guys to go. And the security guy over the scanner on this side said to these two guys, come over here. And he went, uh-oh, because there's the scanner. And so as they got ready to put their Bibles, they did, on the scanner, it started down. The man that was there getting ready to look at him, you know, as he watches in the little window, there was a Chinese lady that walked across the top in a black leather dress <laughs> with high heels. These books went like this, this guy went like this, and they went right on through. True story. <laughs> Man, can you imagine being used by God in a black leather dress with high heels? Hallelujah. <laughs> well, that, it just reminds us that God knows how to protect his word. Amen? It's just amazing to me. The Bible tells us there's four kinds of people. First, there's those of you that have never accepted Jesus Christ. The Bible calls you the natural man in 1 Corinthians 2, unregenerate. Then the Bible goes right on in and begins at the end of that chapter to call the rest of us who've come to Christ the spiritual. The spirit has come in us. We're alive. So we have the natural, the unregenerate. We have the spiritual. Then the spiritual is divided into, we've learned over the last few weeks, baby Christians. Everybody starts as a baby Christian. But then it moves on into really a disciple. That's the end point. God didn't come to make us converts. Baby Christians is just a stage. But Paul says, I'm sorry to tell you that in between that baby stage and becoming a full disciple is a stage... 1 Corinthians 3 calls the carnal Christian, the person that lives on the edge. There's no change. There's no real fruit. There's no real evidence that God lives in them. Today, we want to show you how to be a productive Christian, which is another name for a disciple. You see, that's what we're to be. We're to be disciples ongoing learners of Jesus Christ. Well, what's that process look like, and how do we get there? I'm sorry to tell you that the majority of the church in the United States are carnal believers. There's very little evidence that much has changed. They live pretty much like the world, and that's why, well, we're not turning the world upside down for Jesus. So we want to do better, all of us. In Romans is a picture of how this spiritual battle works. He said, not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. Paul says this, now don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. He's talking to believers, not talking to unbelievers. 
into a new person by changing the way you think. As we think, we become. Well, how in the world, what will that look like? Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. First thing I want you to write is this. Satan's goal is to control our minds, to cause us to think like the world. Power, possessions, pleasure, prestige, position. But God wants to transform our minds. We don't want to be like the world. We want to be like Jesus. Now, the issue comes as we begin thinking about that. How in the world does that happen? How can our minds be transformed? That ongoing process that always starts on the inside to the outside. How does that work? How does God renew our minds? John chapter 8, go down to verse 31. This is how our minds are renewed. This is how our mind thinks differently, not like the world. Every time we watch television, every time we read a newspaper, every time you go to a movie, that world system is transforming you how to think. That's the whole world of advertising. You need this, you need it now. And everything we see from the world, most of it is against the word of God. Look at what Jesus says. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, In other words, if you obey it, if you stick with it, that's the word we've been using, sticky, if it becomes part of your life and you obey it, if if that happens, notice, then you are really my disciples. So as that word becomes a part of us, not just that we read it, not just that we hear it, not that we just come to church a few weeks of a year and hear the word of God and wow, we're changed. No, you'll never be changed. But as it becomes part of you, let me show you what it looks like. The word becomes part of us. It dwells richly. You don't have to memorize it, but you live by it. You understand it. You apply it. You obey it in your life. As that process goes, huge things happen. We live differently because we're thinking differently from the word. Look at verse 32. Notice this. Then, then, after you do this, then you, me, my name, Mark, will know the truth, and that truth will set me free. God's truth sets me free from the thinking of the world, from strongholds in my life, from bondage, from habits, any kind of a lifestyle. I'm free to serve God and discern the difference between the world's ideas and the Bible's ideas. Now, scoot on down to verse 36 is a huge principle of spiritual warfare. So, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Notice, if Jesus sets you free, then you'll be freed. You and I can't free ourselves. You can't become a Christian yourself. If the Son sets you free, if Jesus sets you free, then you're freed from your sins. You're freed from your bondage. You're freed from these habits. Religion will not set you free. Positive thinking will not set you free. The only one that can set us free is Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Muhammad cannot set you free. Only Jesus can set you free. Now, I came back, as you know, from China. Just flew in from Shanghai. Amazing time. Thanks for your prayers. A little dicey, a little difficult. But watching those people read the word of God and teaching all those leaders in those churches 
how to teach the Word of God and watch their faces light up. I started with, there's three things in life that are important. You remember what those three things are? God, people, and what? Use of our time. So we did this together. God and people. And then I learned a new one. And the use of our time. And I'm driving with them in a car. And a guy next to me, we can't speak language. He's driving me someplace to get to the next place to teach. And he goes, yes. That's universal language. See, he heard it. He understood it. So it had become part of him. Now, understand this. When the sun sets me free, I'm freed from any bondage I have in my life. I'm free to enjoy today because God's over me. He's in control. I'm free to live a life that simply pleases God. When I'm in the Word, the Word pleases Him. Being a disciple is the only phase that really pleases God. I mean, He loves baby Christians, but not if they stay there. And last... God made me to reach his potential. Now, I want to combine those last two freedoms, and I want you to write this down. Sticky. Free to please God. If I stay in the word of God and I obey it and it begins to change my life, I'm free to please God by reaching our God-given potential. Now, we've been looking at some characteristics of a growing disciple, For you to look at your life today and say, well, am I the carnal Christian? Am I the baby Christian? Am I the unregenerate person? Or am I actually growing? Here's the first one. This is a way you can assess yourself. You know, if you don't don't look at yourself and evaluate yourself, you'll never really ever amount to anything. So number one, is this you? A disciple, by the word of God, applies, remains in, sticky in God's word. That's a definition of a disciple. If, if, if the word has become part of me and is changing me, then I am a disciple. That's one of the characteristics of a growing disciple. Let me give you an example how all of this works. Let's say you're looking to hire a new employee. And you get all these applications in from different people. And you kind of look at this one application, this person, they look really good to you. So you send it out to their references, people they used to work for. And they send the references back in, and all three of these different jobs they've had in the, in the past say this same thing in essence. Oh, that employee that worked for me was a nice person, but they were totally unproductive. Now, if you're getting ready to hire, would you move that individual to the top of the pile? Hello? Absolutely not. You don't really care a nice person. You look for somebody who's going to do the job that you need done. It's no different in the kingdom of God. It's no different. But see, sometimes we don't think about that. Understand this. Turn with me to John 15, 8. You're going to discover today that Jesus says, if you're going to be in my kingdom, I want you to be productive. I want you to use your God-given gifts. I want you to reach your God-given potential. I'm not just interested in you being a nice person. John 15, 8. In Israel, then and now, there's lots of vineyards. So Jesus would be walking by a vineyard. 
And all of John 15 at the first part is about an illustration of the disciples looking at the vineyard and the grapes and the vine and the branches and and looking at all that and Jesus is going to apply it spiritually. So that's where we're at. Just understand the application that's coming here. Look at verse 8. Jesus says this to his disciples as he's walking through the vineyard. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So here's another proof that you can look at in your own life and go, well, am I really a growing disciple? Is that, is that really happening in my life? So number two, you want to write this down. A disciple is fruitful. That's exactly what Jesus said. Now, notice in this verse, in this verse, he says, much fruit. But in John, we have different categories of fruit. Look, at, look at, right back at verse 2. You're right there. Look at 15.2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. So in verse 2, we have three kinds of fruit. No fruit, fruit, and more fruitful. In verse 8, we have much fruit. So there's this wide range of fruit. So here's the principle you want to write down. The result of abiding in the word, obeying in the word, being sticky in the word, is spiritual fruit will show up in your life. Now, I know that if you're new, some of you are going to say, Pesimar, what kind of fruit are you talking about? I've seen some fruity Christians. Is that what you're talking about? No, that is not what we're talking about. Let me give you an illustration of what Jesus is not talking about. How many of you have ever eaten or smelled durian from the Asia area? How many ever smelled durian? Okay, good. Here's a picture of durian. It's called the king of the fruit. It's come from Thailand. It's edible, but it has this amazing, strong, penetrating odor. The minute you open actually before you open it, but when you open it, ah, some people call it wonderful. It tastes great, but the smell is a mix between rotten onions, turpentine, and gym socks. <laughs> how, how many like to have some right now? It smells so bad that it's outlawed on airplanes and buses. You cannot take. Linda and I be over there in Asia, anywhere in Asia, and we'll walk in a supermarket. And you walk in with, eh, there's durian here today. You can tell it. It's all over the place. Now, you know, Andrew Zimmer is a, that Jewish guy goes all around the world and eats worms and eats weird stuff and whatever. He eats durian and throws up. It's that bad. Is that what Jesus is talking about? No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Well, what is Jesus talking about? Fruit in your life. If you're a disciple, these should be in your life very quickly. Number one, bold witness. In other words, if I'm a Christian and I'm growing as a disciple, I'm going to be bold in my witness for Christ. Number two, that's the one you mentioned, fruit. Most of you think automatically, if you know anything about the Bible, you go to Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long It should be evident. Well, that is true. Number three, good works. See, before you were created, Ephesians 2.10 says, God had planned good works for you. Well, before you can do good works, you've got to get saved by grace and faith alone. That's Ephesians 2.8.9. Verse 10 comes afterward. 
Are you doing good works? As we get ready for this amazing time of celebration, the fall festival with all the candy. By the way, we need 600,000 pieces of candy. So go to Publix, get the two for one, and come pilot for all of our places. Good job. As we do that, what are we saying to the community that we care for you? Come have a good time. Everything we're providing that night is free. We'll have 16,000 people just at this campus. That's good works. Next, generous giving of my heart, of my talents, of my time, of my money. And last, authentic praise. What you just did a few moments ago, Hebrews says, the fruit of my lips. See, if I'm a growing disciple, that fruit is going to be, I'm not going to be a gripey, complaining person. I'm going to be a person that loves to build others up, encourage people, and of course, loves to praise God. Those are evidences that I'm productive in my life. Now, who would you think would be the most productive disciple ever in the world? His name was Jesus. He's our role model. And I want you to see, he would say to his disciples these things, and we're going to discuss these in a moment. Everyone who is fully trained, everyone that's a disciple, that's what it means, Jesus said, will be like his teacher. So I'm going to think like Jesus, I'm going to minister like Jesus, and my character is going to be like Jesus. If you call yourself a Christian, and you're really a disciple, and you're growing, then you're going to be like your teacher. Well, who is your teacher? Not me. Your teacher is Jesus. That's the role model. Second, John, one of his disciples, later writes this. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. That doesn't mean you have to put sandals on and wear a white robe. It, walk in the original language means lifestyle. What is one of our major problems in Christianity? We have all these people that call themselves Christians, and they don't look a thing like Christ. And the world goes, I'm not interested in that. So John says, no, no, no. If you claim to be a disciple of Christ, if you live in him, hey, come on then. Show some productivity. Look like it. Act like it. Speak like it. And then the bottom line is this. Like master, like disciple. If Jesus is your master, then you're going to be like him. Pastor Mark and I really become like Christ? Understand this principle. Anything God asks us to do, he equips us to do. So what's the answer? Yes. So we're going to learn how to do that. Now realize all this change that you're talking about, that I'm talking about, initially starts inward and then shows itself outward. So I want you to understand this principle. And actually, to understand it, you need to write it down. It says this. If I want to be a disciple, inward change will eventually be seen outwardly. There'll be fruit. It will happen. No fruit happens instantly. If you plant an orange tree today, you can't expect to go out tomorrow morning and get orange juice. As we mature, fruit matures. It takes time. That's all we have time for today on Lessons for Living. This time in our nation's history is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. It can be confusing and stressful. And we know you may be feeling alone. We're so glad you joined Pastor Mark today to study God's Word. We pray you found comfort in what you've heard. 
Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the very first time. If so, we want to tell you more. Please take a few minutes and visit calvaryccm.com. There you'll find a tab simply labeled Jesus. This page will tell you all about the Savior of the world and how you can be forgiven of all your sins right now. You can have a relationship with Jesus today, no matter what your past looks like. We pray today you choose to take this step of faith. If you'd like to talk to someone about this, or if you'd like someone to pray with you, please give us a call. Our phone number is 866-779-3441. Again, that's 866-779-3441. We also want to invite you to join us for our virtual church service this weekend. Join Pastor Mark on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. Or you can search for Calvary Chapel Melbourne on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Mark's messages now, those can be found on our website too. One more time, that's calvaryccm.com. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.